0: It is an unusual, a strange birth announcement. We've said that every Sunday that we've come back to this verse because that's essentially what it is. The announcing, the coming of a child, of a baby, a baby to be born. In our day and time, birth announcements are usually after the birth. We get them in the mail. We did it for our children our children did it for their children, where you send out, perhaps it's an attractive picture of the newborn, name, height, weight, maybe other details, but this birth announcement's quite a bit different. It only came 700 plus years early, and that is pretty early, I would think, to await The coming of a child who would make a difference in the world and to wait over 700 years. Maybe it tells us a little bit about what patience is really all about, something that most of us lack much of. But not only that, what birth announcement have you ever read where so many things were predicted about that newborn child? Of course, we wish the best for those who Come into our world, who are new members of our family. But I don't think I've ever read a birth announcement that said so and so is going to be the next leader of the free world or the most amazing, most valuable player of whatever sport it is you're talking about. Those things hadn't happened yet. Now you rejoice and you're happy, you celebrate when those things happen if they come to pass, but that's not the case here. Jesus is given. Four titles, four titles that describe what he's going to accomplish. Sets him apart from everyone else in the world. And just by way of quick review, way back there, the first Sunday of this month happened to be the first Sunday of the Christmas season. We talked about Jesus being not the wonderful comma counselor, but the wonderful counselor. Then the second week we talked about him being the mighty God. Last week, we talked about him being the everlasting Father. And today, we wrap up these four Sundays of the Christmas season, completing this birth announcement where we talk about Jesus as the Prince of Peace There's some parallels here. It's easy to see. Each one of these titles actually can be divided in two. There are two parts of each one. He is wonderful counselor, but we talked about what it meant to be wonderful in that day and time and what it meant to be a counselor, not a licensed professional counselor like we have today, but a leader who gives wise counsel to, to his people. And then that mighty God what it meant to be mighty, what it meant for this child to be not just a child of God, but to be God, one with the Father, fully man, fully God, a mystery that's it's unlike any other child ever born. And then last week, we talked about the idea of what it meant for something to always be everlasting And then once again, if it was a little bit unusual to think of Jesus as fully God and fully man, He's also our Heavenly Father. Even though we celebrate Him as a child born in the manger, He is much more than that because He and God are one. That leads us to Prince of Peace. So in order to keep our discussion on target, we're going to talk for a few minutes about what it means to be a prince. And then we're going to spend the bulk of our time over what it means to have the peace, the peace that only God can give. If there's ever anything in this birth announcement that hits home, it's this one. Because we all are seeking peace. We just don't understand it. We just define it in terms that really only makes sense to us and we need a perspective that only God can give so let's enter it into the birth record one more time for a child will be born to us a son will be given to us and the government will rest upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace You look up the idea or the word or the concept of prince and we could probably summarize that right here just brainstorming for a moment. A prince is a leader. A prince is one who is part of a royal family. That's guess what would make sense to most of us today when we think of the royal family across the pond in Britain. But the idea of Jesus being a prince just simply identifies him as being one who leads. But as he lived his life and after his ascension into heaven, Jesus has become much more than just a prince, hasn't he? For he is now Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Lord of Lords and King, capital K-I-N-G, of kings. Prince Yes, destined for leadership and glory and honor and majesty and all those terms that we put uh, on leaders who have a royal following, a royal blood coursing through their veins. Yes, but more so, Jesus is now, as we look back, he is much more than just our idea of prince. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. So since that is who Jesus is, he deserves our full cooperation in daily tasks of our lives. He deserves our honor. He deserves our worship. That is what we owe to him. The prince. Much more so, the Lord. The king. The one who created us, who created all things out of nothing, knows what's best for us. He is the ultimate royalty. Okay, now let's dive into peace. This one takes a little more time. It takes a little more background research and understanding because it's here that most of us get off track. Peace, it's more than just the absence of conflict in the Bible and in everyday life. And it certainly is. It's not compromising with the world so that we can just have a tranquil existence. Keep those things in mind. Peace, according to Scripture, is not just the absence of antagonism and fighting, conflict. It's it, it's included in that, but most of us, when we think of peace, we think of no war, or we think of world peace. The biblical word and concept for peace is much more than the absence of conflict. And it's certainly not giving in to the world's standards or the world's expectations just so we will be left alone. So keep that in mind. From there, I think peace is best described In four different ways, there is an upward peace, there is an inward peace, there is an outward peace, and there is an onward peace. Those four words can sum up the idea of what it means for Jesus to be the prince of peace. And if you can catch on to these four brief ideas about biblical peace... It can change your it can change your christmas it can change your life so let's go back the first one was upward peace the best way i described upward peace is peace with god peace with god there is a misunderstanding here maybe you've heard it It's the one that says to someone who may be on their deathbed, someone who is nearing the end of life, someone or who is coming to some major upheaval in their life, and the question is sometimes asked, well, friend or family member, loved one, have you made your peace with God? Have you ever heard that? Have you made your peace with God? that gets us off track immediately. Because, my friends, we have to understand that peace with God is not something that we can create. And we almost make it sound like it's just some type of bargain that we make with God. Peace with God in the upward sense is something we receive that we do not create. We do not have the power to create a right relationship with God. But it is a gift. And that ties into Christmas, doesn't it? It is a relationship. It is something that we make a choice to receive. So when we say, have you made your peace with God? The idea is, do you know his son? Do you know The Prince of Peace. Do you know the King of Kings? Do you know the Lord of Lords? Have you chosen to follow him? That's what peace of God is all about. Upward peace. Relational peace. Much more than the absence of conflict. But being in a right relationship with God. That's upward peace. But the second one is inward peace. Inward peace. And the best way I describe it is not peace with God, but peace of God. The peace of God. This one is probably the one that creates the most frustration for us. It, as, as children of God, as those who have put their faith in Christ, we know that's not the end the having peace with god is not just in and of itself what we're supposed to do but as we live out our lives we are seeking to have the peace of god that resides in our lives think think to the uh, or think about the latest trouble you've had in your life whatever it might be it may be uh, that you're going through the process of grief right now you Lost a loved one recently. It could be that employment is the crisis that you're facing, lack of employment that you're facing right now. Wondering where the next opportunity will be. Maybe it is just the fact that in some of the most important relationships in your life, it's like this. There is no sense of community or embracing of one another. What whatever that is, what whatever is going on. Maybe it's a parent here today and your child has not met your expectations and things are just flipped upside down in that parent child relationship. Whatever it is, here's what most of us pray. Lord, remove my circumstance. And that's a legitimate prayer. Don't get me wrong. Lord, take this away from me. I mean, Jesus even prayed, Father, remove this cup. And that cup represented what? Represented his death upon the cross and the agony and the suffering he would endure. Even Jesus prayed, if there was any other way, Lord, remove this circumstance from my life. So we pray that prayer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with praying that prayer. But the peace of God would cause us to not only pray, Lord, remove this circumstance, but it would go a step further and it would say, Lord, change me. Think about it. Lord, change my circumstance. Lord, change me. Changing me will change the way I view this upheaval in my life. This grief that I'm facing. So, Lord, yes, I can't help it. I'm always going to pray, change my circumstance, remove it. But I'm also going to go another step. And I'm going to say, Lord, change me. Change the way I view it. That's part of the peace of God. Now, Let's talk for a moment about the storms of life, those circumstances that cause such confusion and upheaval in our, in our lives and our hearts. Marcy and I work out at a gym three days a week. <clears throat> we have for several years. We did so so that we could pick up grandchildren as time went on. We did so because it's just the right thing to do. And we've been very... Uh, consistent with it we were there when we're supposed to be there you develop friendship first of all like when I went to the gym several years ago I didn't want to talk to anybody I didn't want anybody telling me what to do I had things under control just go away go back where you came from that was my my basic attitude but I made some friends I mean even I made some friends there at the gym And, uh, you know, the guy who's deaf and has no friends just made some friends, some connections, some basic community. But there's one gentleman I've become acquainted with who is a Navy veteran. He served on uh, a submarine for his years of active duty. And so this piqued my interest because anything that has to do with being claustrophobic or shut in always rattles me because I'm claustrophobic. Many of you know that. There's an elevator right over here. You'll never find me in it. I've told you that. I've yet to get in that elevator because I won't ever get in it. I'll do something else like jump off the roof or whatever I have to do if it comes to that. But when it comes to talking about those things, I just find that it sometimes relieves tension if I can talk to someone. So I said, hey, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a tube that goes underwater and you're, you're underwater for a long time. He goes, yeah. So I started asking him these questions like, well, how deep do you go? And he said, well, if I tell you, I have to kill you. So, okay, all right. Then what about how fast will it go? Same thing, Steve. If I tell you, I'll have to kill you. That's That's classified. I said, okay, then answer me this. When there is a howling storm, when there's a hurricane, when there are waves that are, you know, 50, 100 feet high, which there are, so I've been told. When you're under the surface, and he goes, I know what you're asking. He said, the answer is yes. I don't have to kill you. I can tell you. Underneath the water, it's calm, serene, still. Because you see, where there is depth, there is peace. Hmm. Our lives at times seem like they're a mile wide and about what? An inch deep. How can you have peace when your life and your inner life, your spiritual life, is so shallow? But when those storms of life come your way, the deeper you can go in your relationship with the one who created you. The deeper you go, the more peace you experience. That is the peace of God. Well, here's the question that pops into most of our minds. What about anxiety, Stephen? Anxiety. I felt it. You felt it. It's real. There's a story of a man who went to a a, a psychiatrist and he said, sir, doctor, I've just, I've got this huge problem. I'm anxious all the time. And it centers upon one event, one thing that happens all the time. The doctor said, well, what? He said, well, I get ready to go to bed at night and I crawl into bed. And immediately I think someone is under the bed. And so I get up and I walk around and I look, no one's there, but I then get under the bed and slide over under the bed. And then I think someone's up on top of the bed. And so I crawl out, look, and there's no one on top of the bed. And it goes on like this every night, up, down, up, down, up, down. Can you help me? Psychiatrist said, yes, I can help you. I can heal you. Here's Here's what it'll take. For the next two years, you need to meet with me twice a week, $75 per visit, $7,500. In two years, I will have you cured. The guy said, well, that's, that's a pretty steep price for someone like me. I said, I need to go home and talk to my wife about this. But he calls the psychiatrist two days later and he says, doc, I'm not coming back. My wife solved the problem. The doctor said, well, what'd she do? She sawed the legs off the bed <laughs> Some of us look at anxiety that way, and we know that 's not the answer. Anxiety is real anxiety anxiety chokes the life out of people. See, if you do a little word study you 're going to find that anxiety has a root meaning in the idea and the emotion of anger. And guess what? Anger literally comes from a root word in both the Old and the New Testament that literally means to choke, to choke someone. Anxiety chokes the life, chokes the serenity, the peace, anything there. Anxiety is a true enemy of every single one of us. Now, when we moved here many years ago, our youngest child, Grayson, was three years old. We moved into a home where the four girls, his four big sisters, slept upstairs. Marcy and Stephen were downstairs. Grayson had a room on the front that was downstairs as well. He refused to sleep in his room after we moved into that house. We said, what's going on? He said, there's sharks in there. We said, what? He said, there's sharks in there. I I can't stay in there. I won't stay in there with sharks in there well it wasn't going to be an option for one of our children to sleep with us that wasn't going to happen so i mentioned it to a couple guys here at church and jimmy fagans and ron gibson back in the day had Louisville pest control they said stephen we'll help you they made an appointment with grayson and they came to the house in full uh battle dress of an insect guy you know of an insect bug guy had the The protective clothing, they had the mask, the hat, and they had the mesh screen, and they had these bazooka-looking guns, you know, that sprayed insect repellent. They came to those, and they said, okay, show us where they are. Took them into the room. He said, they're under the bed there. Then went in and, of course, it was imaginary stuff that they were spraying, but it worked for Grayson. Top of the bed, under the bed, in the closet, in the ceiling. Then they gave him a miniature set of the stuff that they were wearing. So if you ever have another problem, you can call us, but you can also use this stuff yourself. Never, never had a problem from that point on. Why? Because you see, Grayson was looking for someone who had authority. Over the sharks. And those two guys came in. And they were the authority. And that's all he needed was to know that there was someone that could remove this anxiety from his life. He's three to four years old. Folks, peace of God. What is it? It's looking to the one who has authority over the powers of evil, yes. Over the anxious moments of life, yes. Over whatever it might be. That is what the peace of God is all about. You know, chapters and verses are... Very helpful in Scripture. I don't know if you know it, but the Bible did not come to us, you know, on a silver platter with chapters and verses inserted. They came to us in the form of manuscripts written in Hebrew or Greek for the New Testament. Those manuscripts still exist today. Not all of them, not the originals, but enough copies of copies of copies that equal thousands of copies that we find our text of the Scripture that we read and we worship from and that reveals to us who God is. It's found in these manuscripts. But somebody did us a favor years and years, centuries ago. And they said if people are really going to be able to find what they need in Scripture, it needs to be categorized. So we have chapters and we have verses within chapters. And for the most part, those chapters and verse divisions are helpful. John 3, 16. God so loved the world, on and on. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. All those are chaptered and numbered. But every once in a while, those people that divided up the scripture for us and numbered the verses, it sometimes is awkward. I'm not saying that they were mistaken. Well, yeah, they made a mistake, yeah. They just, they shouldn't have divided it here or they should have carried the thought on and, and should have made the, the chapter end here and the verse division start over again. Now I say all that to say this. John chapters 12, 13, 14, and 15. Gospels of John. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Matter of fact, it's Thursday night before he's put on trial and he'll be crucified at nine o'clock on the next morning. And in John chapter 13, Jesus has the Passover meal with his, with his friends. And then when it's over, he takes the bread and the cup and has them take it again, you remember. And then at the very end, just let me read it for you. At the very end of John chapter 13, those closing verses... Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. End of chapter. John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus talking. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go there to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. See, you separate them. It's John chapter thirteen, and then it ends, and then the famous words of John fourteen one and following that ends in that last part of that chapter. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. They're separated out, and I appreciate someone for doing that for me. But you should have left it alone, because when Jesus said, you'll deny me three times, his next breath was, let not your heart be troubled. You follow it all the way through, and you find that in our chapter, in verse divisions, we've separated out the fact that when Peter made his... His unrealistic boasting, I'll never deny you, that Jesus immediately said, you'll deny me three times and then followed up with, you don't have to be anxious about it. You believe in God, you faith him, faith me as well. Folks, that is the peace of God. And Jesus came to be the prince of King, Lord, creator of peace. So you got your upward peace, you got your inner peace, two more. They're much easier to summarize. You got your outward peace. Be a peacemaker. That's what it means. We cannot create this peace. All we can do is cease wars for time from time to time I mean that's just been the history of mankind is we talk about a peace accord or a peace between nations okay we can stop war we can stop senseless violence but only for a, a period of time but within the life of the community within church people who are supposed to love one another we're supposed to be peacemakers we're not supposed to be Stirring up controversy and trouble. Now, there's a line there of conviction, yes. No compromise on this or that. But remember, we've said it time and time again. There's that little triad of statements, three little statements that say in the essentials, we need unity. In non-essentials, we need to give freedom. But in everything, we love. Are we known, are church people known, are are members of First Baptist Louisville known as peacemakers? That's part of it. He came to be the Prince of Peace and he's giving us the mandate to be peacemakers. His first sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. And then the last one. Onward peace. This one is, this one makes me smile. Because it really means that Jesus, when he returns, Jesus will bring ultimate peace. Those prophecies that we read where the lion lays down with the lamb and the farmer takes his sword and beats it into an instrument to till the earth. A plowshare, whatever you call it. That the hope of peace is that, yes, we live in a world where we can't create it. We live in a world where there's turmoil. We're having a hard enough time finding peace with God, grabbing the peace of God, knowing that we're to be peacemakers. But, yes, the promise of this child is that one day he will return and he will bring God's ultimate peace with him. We can count on that. Right, take me back to the, yeah. Okay, look at it again. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen to this. He is wonderful counselor who takes away the dullness of life and who takes care of the decisions of life. He is mighty God who takes care of the demands of life. He is everlasting father who takes care of every dimension of life. And he is prince of peace who takes care of the disturbances of life. And if the government of your life and my life is on his shoulders, we will experience the wonder of his name. And all God's people said, Father, that's our prayer. Our prayer that we understand your peace. That we see it in a different light today. That we understand it from a different perspective today. And that we... Kneel at the manger, we kneel at the cross, and we kneel at the thought of a Lord who returns someday. Father, we thank you for Christmas, for it means Emmanuel, God who came to be with us. Let our choices, let our thoughts, let our relationships reflect Your peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We wrap up this hour the way we do. Every time we meet, we offer a time of response. For when God speaks, we must make a choice. What kind of choice or choices could be made here today? Could be that there's someone in this room and you've yet to to take that peace of God and to make it your own. You can't create it, can't earn it, can't buy it but you can receive it. It's a prayer that you pray. And so if that's a choice that you're wanting to make, you may need some help, may need some counsel, prayer. We're here to do just that. If you're here today and you know the Lord, just never told anyone, come tell us, profess your faith in him. Let's talk about what water up there is all about and what baptism means. As a believer, we're all commanded to experience it. And if you've yet to do that, let's talk about it. A church to call your own, a place where you can serve. This is who we are. Perfect church? Absolutely not. Do we let one another down? Every day, I'm sure. At least I know in my own life. I never am able to measure up. None of us are. But as a church family, we love one another, we bear the burdens of one another, we forgive one another. And we step through life in those challenges with one another. So if that's the kind of church you want to belong to, I can tell you that's who we are. And how do you join? You step out. You state your intention to be a part of our church family. And that's the beginning. And then taking a look, one last look, not the last, but the last today, of a birth announcement that has everything to do with Those of us living today, how would honoring the Prince of Peace, how would that play out in your life? What changes need to be made? How are you going to deal with the real issue of anxiety? Are you going to hide it? Are you going to bury it? Are you going to seek help? All those things, the Prince of Peace is waiting for us to say, Lord, help me. That's our invitation. I ask you to stand with us as we sing. We wait for you here as God leads.